This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her good times never end. Allison Rosen, Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with writer and Adam Carolla show breakout star, yeah. <laughs> Nick Santora. Hi. Hello. Hi, best friend. How's it going? I'm ver- finally getting to do your show after you promised me like three years ago. Yeah, I think I forgot that I promised you three I just like years ago. That I'm finally I, on, and within five seconds, I'm busting your balls. But I would have had you on a lot sooner. Actually, after okay, so I guess I promised you you could come on the show a long time ago. Yeah, and then I completely forgot about yeah. it. And then you brought it up to me again. Yeah, it was at Adam. Was it at Adam's party? Yeah, you everything it, you're saying is accurate. You made me a promise, you broke it, and I brought it up. So yes, this is all right. Right, but you brought it up to me in that way that people do when they. Th- think that maybe they're being a little pushy or they think that they've already been rejected that like oh no i brought it up not even pretending to be pushy i was sincerely heartbroken that's what i'm saying you brought it up in that (laughs) way where like the way that if i was like i want to remind someone but i feel like maybe it's on purpose maybe i'm I'm probably projecting but like i want to remind them that they were going to have me on the show but i feel like maybe they aren't having me on on purpose so i feel uncomfortable so maybe i shouldn't say anything but i'm gonna say something anyway so i'm gonna be like extra i don't know i don't feel i like never get uncomfortable with shit like that oh my god we have to talk about that so I, i i sincerely think you're mean (laughs) anyway what i'm saying is (laughs) i walked away from that exchange saying to my husband we have to keep that in mind when we bring things like when we are ever in that situation again because we're and maybe it's just the two of us but we're always convinced there's a reason that we haven't been asked to do whatever it was that was at one point suggested to us when the absolute truth of the reason is i completely forgot i listen i'm like busy crazy nutty i forget shit all the time I would never forget a good best friend like you. Like, I wouldn't do that because that would be mean. But I can understand. That's crossing the line. Yeah, but I can understand that maybe you forgot. (laughs) Right. I did. I totally forgot. But but anyway, now you're here. Yeah. And we can get into all sorts of stuff. I'm excited. I want to find out all about. I think you're super talented. So I'm excited to be on the show. Thank you. I think you're super talented. Thank you. And I thought so three years ago. And then I just (laughs) totally forgot. But clearly not talented enough. But you know what I want to tell you about Nick Santora? Especially since you're an author. Mm -hmm. I mean, you work in television and do you work in film? You do. Yeah, I've sold you about five or six movies. Yeah, you work in film and you work in books. But of late, you are especially working in books. Yeah. Uh, so you know about Audible, right? Audible.com. Audible.com, a leading yeah. provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. I am currently listening to Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. Are you an Amy Poehler fan? Yeah. yeah. It's awesome because it's her reading it, but then there's also all these guest stars reading it. Daniel and I downloaded it for our trip to Tucson, uh, and then we haven't finished it, though. So I'm excited to finish it because it's like seven or so hours. It's really funny, though, um, and I'm hooked. And listening to audiobooks is – or. I guess listening to audiobooks is probably how you would listen to an audiobook. It's better than reading an audiobook. Listening to books, yes. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. 
purchase individual books or for real savings, sign up for the Audible Listener Program, which gives you book credits every month for a low fee. They have over 150,000 titles. Are your books on Audible? I would assume not my newest one yet, but I think my first two are. So go find those. Yeah. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash BFF. That's audiblepodcast.com slash BFF. Okay, Nick Santora. And yeah, 15 Digits is definitely on Audible. It's voiced by David Corline. Oh, okay. Sorry, David Collins. My mistake. No, I don't. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know David Collins. He could be the nicest guy in the world. Can, I, sh- can I shit on him for a second? Please. <laughs> My, when that book came out, I didn't, you know, it's so funny because you're so busy and I'm normally writing books on the side or movies on the side. Like TV is my bread and butter, Mm -hmm. but I have to write stuff where I don't get notes and where I don't worry on whether an actor is available and worry about locations to keep my sanity. So I wrote this book and you put it out there and the publisher's publishing it and here's the hardcover and here's the paperback. And then one day, like a couple of months in, they're like, oh, here's the audio book. I didn't even know they were doing an audio book. So I said, great, let me let, let pop it on and listen to it. And I started listening to it. Now, this poor guy, Dave, I, I, I don't know him. He could be the nicest guy. I listened to the first five seconds and I went batshit. Why? Because the main character's name is Rich Morrow. He's an Italian-American guy from Queens. Now, I know I have a New York accent. Mm-hmm. I know I, I, I'm well aware of my it's very accent. very slight, actually. Yeah. It, have you worked on it? No, I just have lived in California now for 15 years and I'm getting soft. Right. Well, <laughs> well 13 years. But um, uh, this book was like a minstrel show of Italian-Americans. Like the guy, the first... Oh, no. Oh, like yeah, he the, was really hamming it up. Like the first line was like, the trouble with you lawyers <laughs> is that you think... And I, I'm like, no! Uh, I'm like, Jesus! And the thing that terrified me uh, is of my five main characters, one's black. I can only imagine what that guy sounded <laughs> oh, that's, like. that's perfect. And the other one's mentally retarded. So <laughs> did you get that far? I, I couldn't listen to it, but I can only imagine what he did for the poor mentally retarded character. Yeah. So I called up the publisher and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, oh, well, he's a really good actor. I'm like, he might be a really good actor, but who directed him? Who told him to sound like this? He sounds like John Travolta <laughs> mixed with Joey from Friends times 10 right. and stupid. And I never listened to it. It's I, Audible.com is a phenomenal, phenomenal website. Don't buy 15 digits. <laughs> right. Don't Listen support my book. book. Buy my hard copy. Um, question. So 15 digits. When did that come out? They came out like two years ago. And... Before that was slip and fall. Was that written from the point of view of this Italian character or did you switch point of views as you went? My first book, novel Slip and Fall, was written from the first person. It was also the lead was also an Italian-American character mm-hmm. from New York. Shocking. <laughs> and I wrote that from the first person, which I think a lot of first-time authors do because you're writing – the first book falls out of you. Yeah. Like you're just done with it before you start writing it. The second one, I realized I'm going to take a step back and write it in the third person and kind of just over, be the overseer and tell the story. I was just wondering, did you try to get into the mind of a mentally retarded person? Or are you just observing It wasn't that hard. <laughs> no, I, I worked. And I'm, not making, I'm not making fun of mentally retarded uh, people. Sounds like you are. No, <laughs> making fun of myself. But um, I've worked when I was a lawyer. I worked in a lot of law firms, especially in New York City. They have programs to, you know, you know leg up programs and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, I worked with people who were challenged and they would work in certain areas of the office, making copies, doing this, doing that. And let me tell you, the, those workers, they were the most conscientious on the ball, never fucking anything up workers. They were phenomenal. And so I kind of drew from that. And, uh, you know, I didn't write a caricature of a mentally retarded person. Um, in fact, uh, he's in the ending of the episode he's involved with and that and it blew people away when they read the book. I would ask your your great Christmas gift. 
15 digits. 15 digits. Yeah. But if you want a good Christmas gift for yeah, your kids. That's the one. I want an alien for Christmas is your new children's book. Now, and you don't it's available on Amazon. You want to get to know each other a little bit better before we start talking? We don't have to get right to business, pal. We're no, best friends now. We are. This is, I, I jump around. All right, let's just talk about around. the book. I just want to know how you felt as someone who's really close with Adam. You know how he feels about people who write kids' books. He does, but he talks about those shitty picture books. This book's 34,000 words. It's a 124-page book. Yeah, it's, this is like, this is not for your five-year-old. What age well, is this for? Plus, I, to be fair, Adam's whole thing is people do this because they can't do other things. And right. Nick is wildly accomplished as both an author, a TV writer, a script lover. writer. Yeah. Accomplished lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Vigorous, I've you, heard. You know. I've heard. Yeah. Um, I would say that this, and, and Adam would read this, except he doesn't he read. wouldn't, yeah. But he would hear this as his wife was reading <laughs> it to his kids um, on the way from the bar to the refrigerator in his house. He would overhear some of this. And he would realize, oh, that's a real story. This thing right. reads... It's like a little novel. Yeah. It re- it's, it's, it's about half the length of an, an adult novel. It's about 300 pages. It's about 125. Like around the time you're reading Trumpet of the Swan or Stuart Little or Charlotte's Web, Yeah, maybe. it's a chapter book. Yeah. Yes. And it's... My, now, my five-year-old, you can read this to five or six-year-olds. My five-year-old is obsessed with this book. She loves it. Um, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, up to 12 or 13-year-olds are reading this book and digging it because it has a sci-fi angle. It reads like a, a movie script. That's why it was optioned for an animated film. Um, it, it has twists and turns and plots, and it's exciting and it's heartfelt. And when I wrote the last couple of pages, especially the last page, uh, I, cr- I was crying. I mean, I'm a sissy, but when, at the end of the book, I was crying. And it's not sad for kids. It's heartfelt. It's not, don't worry, your kid's not, the dog doesn't die at the end. The alien doesn't God. die at the end. You know, none of that stuff. But... You know, I'm also a giant sissy who gets emotional of all the shit that I write. Okay, well, that's a question that I have then. Why am I such a sissy? Yes, no. (laughs) Um, With you, although that is not a bad question, but no. My question is, when you're crying at the end, because at first I was like, oh, you're so moved by your own prose. But then it's like, no, probably the emotion that you're feeling is what is generating this particular scene, right? Yeah, it's not moved by my own prose because my prose isn't, you know, I'm not Hemingway. I, I write grittier stuff. This book's not gritty, mm-hmm. but it's written for kids so that a 12 and 13 year old can understand it um, or a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old. But when I'm writing something and it's people saying goodbye to each other, I just wrote an episode of uh, Scorpion with my friend Rob Perlstein, who's a wonderful writer who's on, on staff. And this one character uh, meets her dad for the first time. And when I wrote it, I cried. Every time I was in post watching it and editing it, I cried. Today I did music spotting on it. And I have to pretend I'm yawning. Like I'll be in the room and, and like, you know, there's five or six people in there. There's the composer and you have the editor and everyone's in there. And I'll be like, oh, God, I'm so tired. And like a pinching mouth because I'm crying. Right. And, and that's I should a, pretend I'm crying when I yawn because I have a problem where I keep yawning. And people are always like, am I boring you? I'm like, no, I don't know why no, I'm, I'm just yawning. just really sad. Yeah, exactly. That's what I should do. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's – it's weird, but when I put myself in those emotional places to write these things, I know it's make-believe. Sometimes I'm five feet away while she's running to her dad and hugging him. I'm five feet away eating at craft services. Uh-huh. But when I watch it on film, and that's the power, I think, of storytelling and film, is even though you know it's fake, you get caught up in it. Have you always – this is going to sound like a real mushy question, uh-uh. but have you always been in touch with your emotions? I'm not, I don't know if I'm in touch with my emotions. Have you I think always I'm, been I'm, able to I'm, summon it? I'm I, I, I'm not able to control it. Okay. Have you always I, been emotional? Yes. That, <laughs> I mean, that's my that's question. It. Yes, I've always been emotional. 
and it's not always a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll drive. I have a long commute to work. I'll cry in my car because I'll be thinking about, you know, my dad or something. Is your dad still alive? Yeah. Yeah. But I miss him and he's had some health issues and that'll get me choked up. Are you guys close? Yeah. Very. I'm very close to my family. Mm -hmm. I have a great. I'm getting choked up now. <laughs> Sweet. No, it's not. But um, uh, are your parents? So wait, you grew up in Queens. No, yes? I was born in Queens and I moved okay. to Long Island and grew up effectively on Long Island and went to law school in Manhattan. What law school did you go to? I graduated from Columbia and okay. then practiced law in New York. And what kind of law did you do? I was a corporate litigator for about. Well, I was a corporate litigator not for about for exactly one year, one month, and one day. And, and what and was that experience like? Death on on earth. Was it? Were you a? I imagine you must have. So I have my sister is a um, public defender, right? And so she like went to the other side, mm -hmm. which has its its own host of uh, reasons why you're um, you become disillusioned as well. But as you were going through law school, did you have a sense of what it was going to be like, or were you like, "Holy shit, this is not what I signed up for"? My second, I've told this story. My second day of law school, it's true, and it's it's funny because people have heard it might say, "Oh my god, this story again," but. As my father says, if you tell the truth, it, the story never changes. This is the truth. My second day of law school, I called up my parents and I was like, ah, this was a mistake. I'm out of here. I was reading this case. It's, I think, I don't remember when it was from, like 1700s, but it's this case called Penoyer versus Neff. Mm. And it's about, I look at like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> no, I, I want to know. Not, it's not interesting. I know like three it's, cases. <laughs> this is not one of them. Penoyer versus Neff is, is, a, is this like old English common law case about establishing jurisdiction. And it's long and lengthy, and it's all like, herefore art thou thy just... And I'm reading, I'm like, you what the... You get it translated. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? I'm like, this is such a mistake. And I'm like, I got, and I called up my parents, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, this was a mistake. I know I worked hard to try to get into law school. This was a mistake. And my dad said, he's like, you've never quit anything in your life. Oh, Don't quit this. So, so and, and, guilt tripping. And, yeah. And, and, you know, neither of my parents went to college, so it was a big deal. Oh. And they wanted me to get educated. And my dad told me probably, the, I, I, you know, it's the only lie my dad's ever told me, which was with a law degree, you can do anything. It's a big, <laughs> did he, he believe that? Though? Yes, of course he did. He yeah. didn't he didn't know any better. Neither did I. The truth is, is with a law degree, you can be a lawyer. Right. And that's about it. Um, so I finished. I finished law school. It was really hard. I mean, law did school. You, and you felt that way about it the whole time. Like I, you pretty much just buckled down because of your parents. Well, I buckled down that first year because the one thing that I learned early on is, is people were like, well, after the first year, you have to go in, you know, between first year and second year, you go and you interview with law firms for summer associateships that you do after your second year. Then during that summer associateship after your second year, unless you people curse on the show. Yes. Fuck in, yes. 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 <laughs> unless you like fuck a partner's wife or husband, you are going to be asked back for a job after your third year. So basically law school, dirty little secret is one year, two semesters. Nail those two semesters. You'll get your pick of jobs. Mm. Now it's hard to nail those two, those two semesters. You basically have to make law review, which is like, you know, the top one fit one half of 1% of all law students. And if, you did. I did. I studied like an animal. That's when <laughs> I was just like, I, I, that's where I learned how to work. And that's why now today I, if, I have a good outline. I'll write a script in 36 hours because I can just sit and type nonstop for a day and a half. Wow. And not a feature script, but a TV script. Right. Um, then uh, I, I got a job offer at a big firm, Sullivan and Cromwell, which is probably the biggest law firm in the world. Pinoyer and Neff. Pinoyer, Pinoyer and Neff. <laughs> Rosen and Corolla. <laughs> Rosen, Bishop, and Corolla could be a law firm. It really could be. I like that I get It sounds billing. good. Yeah, yeah, of course. You can stick the Italian at the end. <laughs> right. um, but I, I got a job at Sullivan Cromwell, and nothing against that firm. It's an amazing firm. The people there were nice, but I, I didn't belong there. 
I just wasn't good at it, and it, I just didn't fit in. So, Did you do any snacking on the job? Because if you did, mm. could this be more of an awkward segue? What, 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 what kind it of could snack could I be. have had? Nature Box. I w- I'm going to give you the chance to get free snacks, natural, delicious snacks at naturebox.com. They've got zero artificial ingredients, zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup. I like the peanut butter nom noms, baked sweet potato fries, or dark cocoa almonds. Uh, they're good, and they're good for you. And I want to give you guys the chance to try Nature Box for free with a sampler box featuring five of their most popular snacks. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I prefer samplers to just the opposite of samplers. I just like lots of bits of different things. I, in fact, I would... You, you guys have to get the free sampler box because, I mean, come on. It's a sampler box. I'm going to do it. It sounds delicious. Start your free trial. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. Naturebox.com slash Allison. Okay. Sampler box is a good name for someone's V. That's right. I wouldn't say A's V because we just became best friends. Right. So that, that's, yeah. That's I would rescind my friendship. Yeah. Um, okay. So you did not like being a corporate lawyer, but you still did it for a year and a day. What I'm A year, hearing, a month, and a day. A and then a I left and a day. But then I left and did another type of law for years. Oh. I, I went from this huge fancy law firm with like this beautiful office like overlooking Governor's Island and Statue of Liberty. And I went to a like ambulance chasing slip and, law, fall, personal slip and injury fall, law, personal injury law firm like above a pizza place in Brooklyn. How was that? Where in Brooklyn was it? It was right across the street from the Adams Street Courthouse. I mean, it was oh, right there. So Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, right? effectively. Like down to like that. But in like area. where the, all the pizza places are yeah. and a couple of the sandwich I love that shops. Part of Brooklyn. It's nice. I mean, Brooklyn Heights is beautiful yeah. if you have a few million dollars lying around to buy, buy a brownstone. But exactly. where, we li- where we had our office was not fancy. And that law firm was an excellent law firm for that type of law. But it was like, I mean, it was a different world. I mean, I went from where everyone was wearing, you know, multi-thousand dollar suits to where you wore your work suit. Right. And when you go into trial, you can't wear too nice of a suit because the jury hates you. Oh, interesting. Like you have to wear a suit where the cuffs you are a little frayed. the people. Yeah. And, you know, I, what happened eventually is, I, you know, when I would go in to pick a jury and almost everything settles. So you don't want to go to trial that much anyway. Did you like that or did you want to go to trial more? I thought I wanted to go to trial. I really did. That's why I made the change. And then I realized, oh, my God, trials are really hard, really stressful. And, you know, it's hard because there were clients that I had. I had clients who were so severely hurt and so badly needed help, and they really couldn't work, and I loved representing them. I also had clients that I was convinced were full of shit. Mm -hmm. And if they're looking at you saying, no, my back is really killing me, you have a duty, you have a legal duty, you have to represent them. There's nothing you can do. I didn't love those cases. Because you did, why? Because I felt dirty. Yeah. You know, I just felt like, what the hell am I doing? Um, But I wanted courtroom experience. I wasn't going to get that at a corporate law firm. So I went, I did it. Did it for years. I was so unhappy. I was so depressed. The whole time? The whole time. And did you know that you were unhappy and depressed because of that? Or did you think I, it was other things? No, I knew I always wanted to be a writer. And I knew it wasn't going to happen doing this. Yeah. And I, I was coming up on 30. And I was like, shit. You know, a new decade is terrifying. And yeah. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn 30. And I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I'm like, this is not the life I wanted. And I, I, you know, my wife is amazing. You met my wife. Yeah, she's she, great. She's a sweetheart. And she, she, one morning, and I've told this story too, but one morning, uh, uh, she. Where have you told these stories? I, I've just told them on podcasts and radio interviews and stuff like okay. that, but never one this good. So, <laughs> right. you know. The, the, this podcast makes, makes those not even look like podcasts. No. Shodcasts. <laughs> Because they're shoddy. Thank you. There you go. I hope you haven't used that joke on another. I have. You know what? I haven't. That was for you. Thank you. So I went to um, I went to the couch one morning. I'd woken up. My wife was coming out of the bathroom when she was finished blow drying her hair or whatever. We'd both been up for like an hour, and she was a school teacher in New York, and she was ready to leave for work. And 
she looked at me. I think I told the story on Adam's show, actually. Um, but she looked at me and she said, uh, and I looked at her and I said, it'll get better. Because she was looking at me like, you haven't moved for an hour. And you're <laughs> still in your boxer shorts and T-shirt that you slept in. And you haven't moved. And I couldn't bear to put on my court suit anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, it'll get better. And she looked at me and she said, well, it better. And I was... She the was. It, she would have left me if I hadn't changed it my life. Like your mood is that what you meant? My my state of mind. Right. I had been like that at that point for years, and it was coming to a head and coming to a head. And I was sick. Like my, my stomach was upset all the time. I still have stomach issues because I just stress a lot because right. I, I take on fifteen projects at once. But I, I was stressed all the time. I was depressed, and I wasn't happy. And my wife, you know, we were in our late twenties, right? And she was married to an unhappy guy. And she said to me, she's like, I love you. She's like, I'm not having kids with you unless you're happy. And so uh, I said, okay, and, and, and I'll do something about it. And I, I took a week off from work and I wrote a screenplay. And she's like, just write something. So I took that week off and I wrote a screenplay and it started my career. What screenplay was that? It was called Slip and Fall. I eventually turned it into my first novel, mm-hmm. but I submitted it to the New York International Independent Film Festival. It got accepted. It won Best Screenplay. Uh, David Chase eventually read it and asked me to write a Sopranos episode, and I wrote an episode for him, and then, you know, things st- started to happen. How quickly did you quit your job? I handed in the script to David Chase on December 20th of 2001, and I quit on January 2nd. So 12 days later, I quit my job. What was it that made you be like, I, this is, like, what happened in those 12 days? What were the I, things that happened in those 12 days? Um... I got Christmas presents because, <laughs> you know, Christmas was during that time. Right, right. And uh, no, the truth is that was a joke. That wasn't funny at all. It took. Well, I, I wondered if you meant you got money for Christmas presents and then that was allowed to go. No, being during those 12 days. Christmas. No, I get it. What's that? I chuckled. You got, you got it. Thank it was you. no shot cast. It wasn't but. a shot cast. But, <laughs> By the yeah. way, I produced that shot cast where you told that story. So fuck off. Where I told the same exact story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, shot not cast. Adam's. I'm, I would never say that about Adam's podcast. Good. Um, but... Anyway, I, uh, during those 12 days, I mean, I just, I, I, I remember one night my wife was in bed. We had this tiny little apartment in New York and it was freezing. We had no were heat. Were you in Brooklyn or Manhattan? We were actually in Long Beach, Long Island. Oh. And it was right on the water and it had no heat. So the wind would come yeah. off the ocean, off the Atlantic, and we'd just freeze. And my wife, we would go to bed at like seven o'clock under like five pillows because we were just <laughs> so cold. I mean, yeah. under like five blankets. And one night I climbed into bed uh, and, and looked at Janine and I was looking really sexy. You know, just really good. Mm-hmm. And like boxers right. and a t-shirt. <laughs> and and I, and I looked at her and I said, listen, I don't know anything about this business, but I know The Sopranos is like the most insanely popular show in the past 20 years of television. And I got one. So maybe I'm good at this. How about I quit my job? You quit your tenure teaching job. I'll do it as soon as we go come back after New Year's. And, you know, we moved to L.A. And we don't know anyone there. And we'll see how it turns out. But I think I can do this. And she looked at me, and she's an amazing woman. She said, well, all right, it'll be an adventure. If it doesn't work out, we can always come home. Wow. And we, she, she was tenured. She quit her job. Drove you. Adam's always making fun of the Toyota RAV4 that I uh-huh. have. Uh, drove that cross-country. And, uh, you know, we, we, we said if I can get work, I'll st- we'll stay. And I, I, other than the writer strike, I haven't had a day of unemployment. And, and, and by the way, that vacation that I quote unquote took to write that script right. was the last time I took any time off from work. Wait, so I, in I know 14 that, years, I've not taken a day off. I know that the listeners are probably like, we got it. Move on. But I'm stuck on this because okay, so you wrote it on December 20th. <laughs> and then you had this conversation like a few days later. A few days later. Because so it, like really, you sent it out and really fast. 
Oh, wait, no. When you said I got one, was that like I'm in or I no, have a script? I had a, handed in the script and I had been, I had, you know, David Chase read a sample of mine, you know, the screenplay that won the film festival, met with me, liked it enough to meet with me, met with me, liked me enough to hire me. Okay. I wrote the script, I handed it in, and I was like, you know, like the first thing I ever had produced was a Sopranos, and that's crazy. Right. So I, I knew how fortunate I was, and I just said, let's try to ride this. Yeah. And so we moved to L.A. I had no job, and I was literally out here 16 days and got a job on a TV show that had a full episode season order. And what like was that? The Guardian on CBS. And I did that show for two years, and then the show didn't get at, come back. I went to Law & Order. While I was at Law & Order, I created Beauty and the Geek, so I was mm-hmm. doing two shows at once. And then I did Gary's show, Prison Break, that he likes so much. How Great good, show. How underrated is it's season one of Prison Break? Exceptionally underrated. Yeah. Great, I, I, great show. I, I mean, Great group of writers on that show. Yeah. It's just, it's really good. Yeah. Thank you. You're a very wise man. Thank you. Now, are you the showrunner of these shows? By the way, Breakout no. Kings, if you want to go back to that yeah. one, another great fucking Nick Santora Featuring show. Featuring the guy who plays the girlfriend of Maggie on Newsroom now. Yes, that's right. Uh, who's also on Always Sunny. What, what's oh, his Oh, Jimmy name? Simpson. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Simpson. He's great. Jim, let me tell you something about Jimmy Simpson. I have a weird crush on him. Jimmy, so do I. Jimmy, so Simpson, do I. Is, <laughs> Jimmy Simpson is the most underrated actor in America. And it's, and it's hard to say he's underrated when people are seeing what he's doing every week on these shows, on Newsroom, on um, House of Cards, mm-hmm. what he did on Breakout Kings, and... and Always sunny, only to Always showcase his his range. His range. Well, I had to fight for, sure for him to be in and Breakout Kings. And people are like, "Why would you? Why do you want to hire Jimmy Simpson? He's a comedy guy." And I was like, "Well, first of all, Breakout Kings is going to be funny." And I think Breakout Kings is probably it the is. funniest hour cop procedural sure. I've ever seen. Absolutely. And it was because of Jimmy. So Jimmy's a just a genius. So there we go. It's the Jimmy Simpson show. What did you think of House of Cards? I watched the pilot and stopped watching it. <clears throat> Thank you. I, I, every time he turned. <laughs> I do not like House no. of Cards. I only made it through about half of the first season. Cannot, could not, I, I did not see in it what everyone else saw. But then I hear people who are like, I can't get into Mad Men. And I'm like, well, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I, I, I watched the pilot of Mad Men and stopped watching. Okay, well, you're crazy. What's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you what my problem with that, with that pilot was, was I understood it was a misogynistic time where men treated women not very nicely. Right. Um, however, at the end of that episode, not even remember the names of the characters. Cause I saw that one episode that one time when that one young ad exec knocks on the door, the young secretary opens it Pete up. Campbell. Yeah, yeah. He's engaged. He treated her like shit or she was treated like shit by everyone and through that whole yeah. episode. And he like leans and kisses her. She grabs him and brings him in. And I'm like, okay, I can understand men treating women like shit, but that just made her look like a fucking asshole. Like she looked like an idiot. And I just didn't believe it. I, I can understand someone being a dormant, but she barely knew the guy. Right. And I just didn't believe it. And so I was like, ah, not for me. I have heard from I a lot of people. I think you should revisit. But I, I, not I think, House of Cards. That is Drek. When, when <laughs> Maybe not. Every time Ooh, Kevin like Spacey it. breaks the fourth wall yeah, and talks. Yeah, since our foghorn leghorny. That is distracting, but it, it, only, it happens dramatically more in the pilot episode than it does in the rest of the show. It's just such a cheat. Yeah. I just couldn't care about anything going on in House of Cards. Like I'm going to write. I do care. You gotta. I, f- I feel like for anyone listening, give it two or three episodes before you bow out because Car- House of Cards, the first episode, the first two episodes are really were really intended to be one episode. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like they just stretched out the boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dark and boring. Listen, it's know. a great show. It's lost on me for some reason. To me. That's what my wife calls love making with me. She's like, let's just stretch out the boring. <laughs> so let's get it over with. 
So how quickly did your wife find work when you came out? My wife, she's amazing woman. She, uh, we came out and she didn't know anyone. Then she went through her own little <laughs> depression. Which I was going to say, I would imagine. I mean, that's like, that's a lot for, yes. there's a things that are a lot for a marriage, but that's a lot for a marriage that's to a uproot with no real, there, we had no know, anchors to jump here. with no net mm-hmm. because of one person's career goals. Yes. And that's why she's <laughs> special and she's a keeper. Because when we uh, came out here, they're, they're, I'll tell you this, after a couple of weeks working on The Guardian, I came home one day, and I walk into this little apartment we were renting in L.A. You okay, sister? Don't mind me. I'm, I have <laughs> this tickle on my throat that I cannot get rid of. <coughs> you got Just it? dying or something. No worries. Um, so <coughs> I walked into the apartment. Apartment's pitch black. All the curtains are drawn. I realize they have not, the blinds and the curtains have not been open since that morning. I walk into our bedroom. My wife's still in bed under the covers watching Oprah, which is any husband that comes home and finds his wife watching Oprah. That's a fucking red flag. Yeah. And I see her in bed and uh, I go, hey, uh, what's what's going on, honey? And she's like, I had a life in New York. Yeah. And I went, oh, no. And so... um I actually called up my agents and I said, listen, I know I'm just a baby staff writer. I don't mean shit to you, but I'm going to have a career because I'm going to work harder than anyone you have. But I will turn around and move back to New York tomorrow if my wife is unhappy. So you know, have two jobs, finding me work and finding something for my wife to do. She needs friends. She needs activities. We need to get out there. We don't know anybody. I'm just working and coming home. And I'm your gonna- agents were into this just to just to juxtapose. <laughs> the other day, my agent called me and I didn't take it because I didn't recognize the number. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a That's good sign. That's my relationship with my representation. Yeah, not a good sign. No, I mean, I was I'm when it comes. I'm not cocky about <laughs> shit. But when it comes to writing, and especially back then when I was younger, I was like, look, I know I know I can do it. And I know I'm going to because right. I know I'm going to create shows. I know I'm going to come up with ideas. That's what I told these guys. I'm like, I, I just know I'm going to work hard and I think I'm going to make you lots of money, but I'm not going to be able to do it for you if my wife's unhappy. Because so what more, did they do for her? So they they and it wasn't like I, I don't want to sound like, oh, if my wife's unhappy, it'll get in my way. No, if my wife's unhappy, then I'm unhappy and I want her to be happy. So I'll move back yeah. home. So they they literally they, they were like they called around other executives like, hey, one of our writers has this wife. She's a really nice, young, sweet person. She used to work in PR before she was a teacher, this and that. You want to have lunch with her? You want to get to know, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's funny. This one person she went out to lunch with, Beth Haken, is now the PR person at CBS who's doing Scorpion for me. Oh, cool. And it's, you know, it's a small industry. Right. And my wife uh, said one day, she's like, look, it's too late to get a teaching job but I want to contribute. My wife had a master's degree and went to work at like working the register at anthropology. And she's like, I got to make money. I want to contribute. I need, to. and she made some friends and we got out there and uh, then I put a baby in her. <laughs> I said, you want something to do? Here you go. So she quit anthropology. And once, well, no, once, once she became pregnant, she, uh, she kept working. And then finally I got to the point where I was like, I, I don't think you should be standing all day when you're this large mm. And so she quit for like the last month or so. And since then, her job has been full-time mom and she's amazing at it. And uh, she helps me like promote my books and stuff like that. And she's, you know, she's the fucking best. Is there ever any, does the sacrifice she made come up when you guys have arguments? No, because she, like the opposite. She's like, thank God you got me to move out here. Oh, really? She's like, I love California. I love the life we have out here. Um, It's great. There is something to be said from being away from the drama of family 
to some extent. Like, I miss my family terribly. She misses her ter- family terribly. But <laughs> you almost Freudian slipped there. What did I say? You almost said she misses her terrible family. Oh, she misses I her. I mean, not to say that that's I what don't you miss her meant, terrible but... <laughs> family, but she misses her family terribly. No, I actually, but it was hard. Like, when my, my mother-in-law passed away, who I loved dearly, um, that was hard being away. And we, we, we actually uprooted our lives, took our kids out of school for like five, six weeks and went home to be with her to try to do that. But, um, you when know. When was that? That was, um, oh my goodness, that was f- four years ago, five years ago now, in this past October. And, uh, but my wife, I mean, like when my parents come out to visit, it's not like, what hotel are you staying in? My, my wife's like, you're staying with us. There's, and how early can you get here and how late can you leave? Like she loves, my, and my parents great. love her. It's just, she's a, she's a special cat. It sounds like you guys are both pretty into family yeah. and into being close to your family. Do you ever have this thought? Because I remember I had, you know, I grew up out here, but then when I moved to New York, when I was trying to figure it all out, I would talk to people who would just be like, why would you want to go so far away from your family? I'm like, because I'm trying to go away far away from my family. <laughs> like, if that's why. Because I can't go further. But I mean, there's like different, there are certain, you find pockets of people where it's like the idea of moving away from your family is just completely anathema. Like, you just don't do it. But then... You know, I feel like it's more accepted among our generation, let's say, that you just go wherever you go and you go where your career takes you. But yeah. my my really roundabout question is you and your wife being like very family oriented. Do you have moments where you're like, why did we do this? I feel like that every day. You really? know, I put. Yeah, because it's me, my wife and my kids. Now, since we've moved out here, we've had um, my second cousin and her husband and her two kids that are around my daughter's age. Moved out 15 minutes from our house. It's wonderful. And, and in a big Italian family on Long Island, second cousins are like, you know, brothers and sisters. Really? Because within, I'd say within 10 blocks or within a five minute radius of the house I grew up in, I had 175 relatives. Damn. No How one many left. siblings do you have? Just my sister. Um, uh, I shouldn't say just my sister, but my sister. Um, but I had my, 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 my grandfather just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but aunts and uncles and cousins and I mean, and dozens of them. We had like 370 people at my wedding wow. and we had to par- parse that list down. Um, so well, so wait, do your parents each have a lot of siblings? Where are all these Santoras no. and other people coming from? Well, there are there are the Santoras. There are um, then my 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 aunt uh, got married to the McLean. So we have I have Italian Irish cousins, but they're just all I mean, we just had Big families with lots mm. of cousins, lots of, you know, uh, people that have lots of kids. And second cousins, third cousins were not treated any differently than first cousins because we saw them every weekend. Someone was having a giant meal at their house. Right. And we'd go there. And, and that's what kills me is uh, my kids don't know. I woke up every Saturday and Sunday morning to the smell of ba- Oh, thank you. To the smell of bacon. And someone just gave me water. I don't want to thank you. <laughs> thank you just, for the bacon. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the bacon. Um, I would the smell of bacon, and I'd go downstairs, and who was going to be at my kitchen table? Mm-hmm. It would be my grandmother, my, 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 my uncle Frank, who's my great uncle. Like, I have my great uncles are as close to me as grandparents. Yeah. And my kids don't have that, and I feel a great amount of guilt over that, like a terrible amount of guilt. Um, it's very important. Like the reason we've never had vacation in 14 years, like I said earlier, is as soon as I get a break in between television seasons, we pick up, we go back to New York, we go into the house I grew up in. My kids stay in my childhood bedroom. My wife and I sleep in my sister's bedroom. And that's where we spend our vacation. And it's, you know, it ain't 
fancy. It's not like we're going to Hawaii. Right. Going to the South Shore of Long Island. But that's where we want to be. I want my kids to be around that. I've been begging my parents to move to California, at least for the winters. But Why? But they, they won't? My mom still works, and I think she's afraid that if she quits, she's going to have nothing to do. What does your mom do? She works in administration in the school district. My dad was a construction worker for years. He was so happy to retire. Yeah. So when you go home, do you change? No. <laughs> but, I mean, when you're back in your, the house you grew up in, you're around your parents. The do accent you... doesn't come back at all? No. I mean, sometimes when I, if I'm hanging, yes, sometimes if I'm hanging around with people from New York, it, it does. Because you just slip into it and you don't yeah. even realize it. Um, I actually did a, a, a podcast recently where someone had said, oh, your New York came back in the podcast and they listened to it. Um, but I don't, I don't change, nothing, I don't think anyone changes after you're 12. Yeah. I mean, I haven't changed. I'm the, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still an anxious guy. I'm still a, a, uh, emotional guy. Uh, I'm a driven guy. Uh, I don't, I've been like that. I've honestly been like this since elementary school. I'm not, you know, it's not, it's very flawed. I'm not saying it's so great. It shouldn't change, but it is what it is. And my wife accepts me for the way I am. That's all that matters. Where do you think the anxiety comes from? I don't, I, you know, I, I've tried to figure this out. Um, the anxiety, you know, it goes up. I think when you have kids, all of a sudden you are like, oh, my God, my kids go to sleep every night on a fault line. You know, that's what I think about every night. Mm. I, I clear a path to their rooms. Before, like all their toys, I push them out of the way. So if there's an earthquake, I can get to them. I don't trip over anything. Right. Um, that kind of stuff. I've always been like that. I'm, I'm kind of uber aware of my surroundings at all time. Like I'm well aware that my back is to your door right now and it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be facing the door. Um, when I go in restaurants, I have to sit and face the door. Um, uh, you know, so part of it is, I think part of it is growing up in New York in, during, in the seventies, even, you know, uh, you know, we were, it was South shore of Long Island, but I still had family in certain areas of New York that we'd see every weekend that weren't that great. You'd go into the city, do whatever. And it was just every night on the news, you'd watch Roger Grimsby and Bill Butel, who were the New York, you know, channel seven news guys talking about this murder, this thing in times square. It was a crimey time. Mm-hmm. And I think that affected me as a kid. Did you ever experience crime or trauma? Yeah, I had a family member who was a, a uh, uh, victim of a very serious crime. Uh, crackhead broke into my grandmother's house, almost beat her to death. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and put her in the hospital, um, b- broke her jaw, kicked her teeth out um, just to rob her. And uh, that uh, that wasn't great. Right. That how, that affected me. How old were you? I was in my 20s when that happened. But she lived in a neighborhood that wasn't great. And we were there all the time. And her house had been broken into yeah. before. Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was terrible. Did she I, move after that? Nope. She wouldn't. She's like, this is my house. She would not leave. She was very tough. Um, she uh, made a, an incredible recovery. Uh, she did suffer brain damage in the sense that... Uh, the damage to her brain from being beaten uh, got rid of her sense of smell, of all things. Yeah. Um, but she's just she's like she's just a tough immigrant woman. She didn't you, she didn't give a shit. She's like you know they caught the bastard. I'm done, oh. and she didn't care. So he beat her. He kicked in the back door, beat her up. Uh, you know because she confronted him. Oh. He kicked in the back door, and I know exactly what she said. She said, "Get the hell out of my house." Because she had an illegal apartment in her basement that she rented out for extra money. And there was a woman in the basement who heard that happen. And she instantly called the cops. So the cops were a couple blocks away. They raced over and they came in the back door. And he had taken some jewelry and cash out of her 
bedroom and I think he was angry that's all she had and so she was on the ground unconscious and he was like kicking her in the head when they came in. Oh my god. Yeah, but you know what? Guy got caught. Good. He's Oh, the great thing was is he was on, he was on parole when it happened. It's a great system. Yeah, what are, what are your feelings about the criminal justice system? It, it's I think our the criminal justice system in our country's fucked, but I think it's probably less fucked than any other country. Um, there's no perfect system. When I was a lawyer, you know, I saw a lot of uh, messed up unjust things with my friends who were criminal attorneys and, 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 you know, just cases you'd see going on in the courtroom. But, you know, it's, it's better than, it, I think it's better than, than not even most. I think it's better than all. Yeah. Um, but it's still far from perfect. And, and that's why you need good lawyers to uh, put away the guilty and protect the innocent. The problem is, is it's, it's the main reason I'm against the death penalty. Yes. Is, is not, I'm not against the death penalty for the reasons many, most people are. I think most people are against the death penalty because they think, oh, well, you know, it's not right for the state right, to... Right, wrong, so I make a right or whatever. And I don't... Look, the state is legally allowed to kill people all the time. That's true. If the cops came into my grandmother's house and had fired on him, they would have been in their right because the next kick could have killed her. And they're allowed to use deadly force if they're watching someone who's about to cause serious bodily injury. Um... The, the, the state can the state can uh, uh, issue orders to remove life support. The state can take lives all the time. But the problem is, is I don't trust our system enough to get it right. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing that you can't undo. Um, so that's the only reason I'm against the death penalty. But I am against it just because every day someone else is getting released right. off of DNA or off of what have you. So there have been mistakes. Right. Why are we getting so fucking serious? I don't know. All this talk of the death penalty. It made you hungry. <laughs> it totally made me hungry. Nature box. Exactly. Nope. No? Blue Apron. Oh, oh, even hungrier. Do you know Blue Apron? Blue Apron, they send you delicious meals, right? They send you, yeah, everything you need to make a delicious meal, and all the ingredients are perfectly measured out, so you can be like Rachel Ray. You can pour them into a whole bunch of dishes and be like, look, I'm making a meal, and I'm not even doing the hard stuff of measuring out. You don't have to go shopping. It just comes right to your door, free shipping, perfect if you're busy or health conscious or don't know your way around a kitchen or if you do know your way around a kitchen um, they make it super easy because they also include a recipe card and it has a bunch of pictures so even Gary and Kaylin can do it it's yeah. like the food version of Goranimals if a 22 year old single guy can not screw it up no one is going to screw it up you not that's you, Kaylin you look and you don't know what Goranimals are I don't remember Goranimals. Goranimals are, it's like you can't fuck up your clothes for your kids. Mm-hmm. So you buy a, a shirt with a giraffe tag on it and giraffe pants and they oh, match. Oh, perfect. Or around. So it's the food it's version. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just $9.99 a meal. And for that, Blue Apron will send you a refrigerated box with the right high quality ingredients in the exact right proportions and step-by-step instructions right to your door. And meals are only 500 to 700 calories, though you'll never guess it given how delicious they are. They work around your schedule and your dietary preferences. Cooking takes about half an hour. Shipping is always free. This week, ground chicken fettuccine chestnut pasta with honey, salmon with quick preserved lemon, quinoa, and curly kale. They also have vegetarian options like Indian lentil stew with sunchokes or cabbage and charred stir-fried rice with sweet potatoes and shiitake mushrooms. It's all so good. So you guys can see what's on the menu this week and get your first two meals free by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. Two meals free just for going to blueapron.com slash Allison. All right. So... Something that I didn't know, but I heard Adam mention. Did you cold call Adam? I cold called Adam years ago. It was during the writer's strike. And I'm, I'm a, as Adam was saying during the show we did with him recently, recently being 45 minutes ago. For the listeners, last, last week. Thursday. Oh, last yeah. week. Last Thursday. Excuse me. That's did okay. I just fuck up the whole show? No, by no, doing no. It? I think people know that. I don't want to ruin not. the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> 
We are right inside your ears right now. <laughs> but Live. Uh, as Adam mentioned in the past, that uh, I, I'm aggressive with going out and finding what I think is an interesting story. And I had an idea for a movie uh, called The Professional Loser. You wake up every morning, Miss Rosen, and you're like, I'm Mary Tyler Moore. I am going to throw my hat in the air and take the world by storm. And I've got my podcast. I've got my show. I've got my agent. I've got everything that I do. You <laughs> want to strive and achieve. Yes. I feel the same way. I want to get up and do something cool that day. And I just thought, what goes through the mind of someone who wakes up every morning and goes, today I'm going to lose. And that's what it must be like to be the captain of the Washington Generals. Right. And I started you know, coming up with this idea of this movie about the Washington Generals pulling a fast one on the Globetrotters and at their 90th anniversary game, they're going to beat those fuckers. Do you know who these teams are? I do, actually, because my husband helped you guys. Yes. Even though that didn't ultimately turn into but the movie. Not, but. Not, not his fault. He was amazing. Um, so but for the listeners who don't know, this is the team that plays the Harlem Globetrotters when yes. they tour, they've or lost, always. They've lost and they every always single, have to lose to them. Yeah, yeah, they've lost every single game except for one in like 1973 or 74 when they temporarily changed their name to the New Jersey Red Barons. Hmm. But yes, your, your husband set this up for us with Mark Cuban's company. But anyway, and which the whole dag thing. He's a good, your husband's a good man. I, come on. For the listener who's like, what are you talking about? There was a thing on the Adam Carolla show where I had had a sexual nature dream about Dag, although nothing actually happened in the dream. And that kind of kicked off this ongoing joke about my crush on Dag. Um, joke? But, mm. It's a joke that's rooted in reality. <laughs> my okay. goodness. But look, I have a crush on Jimmy Simpson, I just said. I have a lot of crushes. You have a song about that crush? or I didn't write the song. Still out there. <laughs> yeah, it is out there. That's a good song. Let's not forget my original crush, Bobcat Goldthwait. There you go. Yeah. That's some fucking range. I know. Jimmy Simpson, know. Bobcat Goldthwait, and Dag. I like them all. My God. But so anyway, Daniel was like, I get it. He's funny and uh, he's... Black. He didn't say that. <laughs> my crush on him goes beyond his skin color. No, look, all I'm Listen, saying is... Allison doesn't discriminate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, back right, to the anyway, story. Yeah. I had this idea. I had one night I happened to watch The Hammer. I'm like, I, I don't I I didn't see it in the theaters. I don't know if it was on pay per view. Were you like, an Adam fan? I knew of Adam from the radio show. Okay. And I uh but I'd never seen the man show. But I knew him from the radio show. And I remember like listening to him, I'd driving to work and every once in a while I'd have it on, I'd be like, This guy is very smart. With language, which I love. I love people that can turn a phrase and hang words. And I just think that's fantastic. And he also had a very fast mind. Mm. And he was very funny. And I watched The Hammer. And I was like, oh, my God, the structure of this comedy is really good. It was a very well-structured story. It was a perfectly well-done underdog romantic love story. It just was. Um, any of these haters out there who don't like Adam because they're like, oh, he's misogynistic or he's this or he's that, which I... I just don't agree with. They should watch the movie because it's a beautiful love story. Yeah, actually. it is very sweet. And I watched the movie and I was like, you know what? I don't know. I never partner with anyone to write in television during a television season. Sometimes you have to. Are you crying or are you I'm just sad? crying? <laughs> I'm actually trying to hold in a sneeze. She yawned and Something, she's crying. My face is exploding. Don't mind me. <laughs> but during a television season, you'll partner up with someone because the schedule is so insane. You have to produce a new episode of, te episode of television basically every eight days. It's madness. But features, novels, I write on my own. But I said, you know what? I like to work with people that I feel I can learn from. And I was like, I, I could learn something from this guy. He's a sharp guy. So I called up Baby Doll 
and he didn't know me. And I'm like, hey, my name's Nick Santora, blah, 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 blah. I have this new book out now. I think it's when Slip and Fall had just come out. And that book was a national bestseller. It sold like crazy. And I think Dixon had read it. He's like, oh, I know that book. (laughs) And I was like, oh, great. And so we started talking. We had like an hour and a half conversation, Dixon and I. And we just kind of hit it off. He's on the East Coast. He's very family-oriented. Like, the sun rises and sets on his daughters. Like, he loves his kids. And we just talked, and he said, I want you to meet Adam. I I think you guys would get along. And Adam and I had lunch uh, maybe two weeks later. It was We wound up sitting there and talking for over three hours. And when it was over, Adam's like, oh, my God, I feel like I've known you my whole fucking life. Oh, Jesus. You do a good Adam. Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) So um, we hit it off, and we went out, and we tried. Did you talk about yourself at all at that meeting? I talked about story and what I like to do. And we just wound up, we stopped talking about the project. At first I started talking about the project and then we just started talking. And um, I think at one point someone came over. I have a major pet peeve when, uh, and this is when, (laughs) I have a major pet peeve. This is when Adam knew he liked me. This is our moment. Um, (laughs) I had my iced tea on the table and and I put in my sweetener and I stir it up and I drink it and I'm halfway done with my iced tea. And they rush over to fill it right. back up. Throwing and I'm like, off your whole calibration. I'm like, you have fucked up my sweetener ratio to yeah. iced tea. And I complained about it kind of like almost to myself. And Adam just looked at me and goes, oh, my God, we're separated at birth. <laughs> and that's, I remember saying that. And we wound up and he called up uh, Dixon. He's like, I want to work with this guy. And we just hit it off. We wound up spending a couple of months working on the project. We went to a few places. We weren't able to sell it. Um, uh, well, first thing we did is we called the C- I-, I stalked the CEO of the Globetrotters, finally got him in L- to come to L.A. because they're in Connecticut, mm-hmm. sit down with Adam and I, and it was going to be a whole thing. To get the rights to the Globetrotters is expensive, a big deal. We wooed this guy. He's the nicest guy in the world, this guy, Kurt. But we wooed him. We were honest with him. I said, listen, when I was a kid, everyone, I- we knew Curly Neal. We knew Meadowlark Lemon. We knew every Globetrotter. If I collected 12 kids off the street right now, 12 and under, and asked them to name a Globetrotter, they couldn't. You need this movie. When we left, he had said, you can have the rights to the Globetrotters for free. Your husband came aboard, mentioned it to Cuban's company. Um, we met with them. They loved it and wanted to do it. It was a perfect match. They could promote it in the, in the NBA. We were moving forward. We had it all set up. And then at the last minute, <laughs> the Globetrotters decided they wanted to do a biopic about the history of the Globetrotters with Sony, and the whole thing fell apart, which was a shame because we were going to kiss your husband in with a little taste if it happened. No, he would have loved that. Or just kiss your husband. Right, that's... He would have loved that, too. Sure, he would have loved that, too. No! (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm... uh, Anyway, Daniel, I love you. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Um, But this thing where you cold call people and where you pursue what you want is very impressive and inspiring, and I think that is... It's inspiring to people who want to get things done but don't know how. Are you yeah. ever nervous to do this? No, no, I'm not nervous. I mean, sometimes I'm um, I'm anxious for a different way. I'm not anxious because oh my god, they might think I'm an asshole, or oh my god, they might yell at me or say leave me the fuck alone, don't ever call me again. They hang up the phone. I don't think do that. So I don't care. Right. I'm nervous that I might miss an opportunity, and that like you know. Are you just are you super confident? All the time? No, no. I'm super confident about being able to make stories, whether they be on paper or on film. That I am confident about. Right. I'm confident about almost nothing else. Okay, I'm going to run my own. I'm a good swimmer. Well, that's important. I'm a confident swimmer. Find yourself in the ocean. Yeah, I'm a very good swimmer. I used to be a lifeguard. Really? Yes. Where? Back on Long Long Island, a long time ago. Okay. Eighty pounds ago. 
Here's where I run my own shit by you. Yes. Um, and ask your advice. See, my thing is. Go ahead, best friend. For what? Yeah. yeah. For the longest time, I have wanted to have my own talk show on television. We're doing it right now. I know. It's but camera that's right like, there. Right. I know. That one's not turned on. Yeah. Um, but that's really sort of, for a while, like the dream for me. You know, something like this, but on television. Because I'm good on camera. Like yeah. my, That's my past. Well, I was a journalist, and then I did on-camera stuff, and then now I'm doing podcasting. But You've I had still, a very eclectic career. I have. And the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I played in a band. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so... It's, but I've been wanting that to happen for long enough now that, the, you know, every now and then I'm like, well, it hasn't happened. Maybe I should just accept that that's not going to happen. And then I'm like, but wait a minute. There's been other things that I've pushed for, like this podcast. Yeah. I had to push to get the, them to do this podcast. And I the whole time that they were like, well, the time's not, you know, all their various reasons that they didn't want to do it. I was like, I'm confident that it will be good. It will yeah. be su- successful. I can do it. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. In the same way that there's no doubt in my mind that it, a talk, sh- uh, you know, a, whatever. Well, I guess there is some, not doubt, but question about what the format would be. But, like, I don't have any doubt that this would be good if I could get this going. Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, it occurred to me, instead of trying, like, the way that... I've been going about it. Maybe it's not the right way. Maybe it's instead of tr- like having you know an agent pair you with a producer and then you make a sizzle reel and then you wait for your agent to set up meetings and instead of doing that, maybe I should be trying to talk to the people at the networks who make these decisions. Like just going – cutting through all the like bullshit and just trying to get in front of the actual people who make the actual decisions. Get to know – those people. I don't even know who they are because those are the, everything in my career has been, I made it happen yeah. and it involved kind of pushing my way to, till I was in front of the right person. Well, I think, listen, if you want to, the nice thing is, is there's this, you know, great little pornography box that also has other content on it. And if you created something on ab- the web, visual say? that like for YouTube, for whatever yeah. you, this show the, you, this show and the Corolla show are incredible vehicles for you. I, I know you because of the Adam Corolla show and the new best friend show. You're going to have people that are going to watch that. Right. As that builds and gets enough little turnstile clicks, the people at the networks and the studios are going to watch it. Why? Because that's their only fucking job is to find shit out there that people are watching. If annoying motherfucking orange <laughs> can get a goddamn... Uh, you, you looked at... Do you guys know people that do it or something? I don't want to no, insult no, any of no, your friends. No. But when I saw that annoying orange got a deal, I was like, okay, we have now reached the saturation point. See, like, my wedding video is going to get a deal soon. Here's, like, here's my issue with that, although it's it's totally good advice. I feel Might like not the, be, but I don't know. Well, I feel like the things that do well on YouTube are not the same as the things that will do well on television. So, what? well, maybe what you're saying is game the system a little bit. Like, I feel like if I just put clips, if I essentially do the show I want to do but do it for YouTube, that's not going to get a lot of views because people don't... They're looking for comedy. They're looking, looking for fast it's like, bits of Yeah, it's, it's totally different. But if you have... You might you might have to goose it a little right, bit. Right, and make it youtube And make it youtube and it's, you know... Well, then we, I can go with my here, second do- idea for a segment, yeah. let me put a shirt on your dog. Let me put... I was just going to say, or no pants interview. I like that, Like too. halfway through the interview, take your pants off <laughs> if you want to plug your whatever you're there to plug. Right. Well, that sounds disgusting. Take your pants off and plug it. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. But yeah, or let me put a shirt on your dog or whatever it is. Something but silly, if you did, yeah. here's the, You're funny. You have a good sense of humor. If you have that type of interview thing and then you do something silly. I mean, look, it's Letterman with Stupid Pet Tricks. Yeah. 
But you have an incredible following. You have people that love you and love listening to you. You should take advantage of that. And don't be nervous to do it. Right. You have less confidence in yourself than you should. I know. I've said that to you before. I think so. Yeah. I think I'm you said you you're too smart to not be doing exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah. I think there's a little too much. I've settled a little too much into this idea of the phone will magically ring and then I'll get to somehow do what I want to do. That ain't going to happen. That does, is not how it works in this industry. Nor no. has it ever really worked that way in the past for me. So I don't know why I think – it's like every few years the – um it builds up in me where I realize like I'm I want to do whatever that next thing is and don't worry I will I'll be on the Adam Carolla show forever and the weird but the weird thing is but when it builds up then I push through yeah, yeah but look you didn't get on this show uh, as, by accident you hustled your ass off right. and you earned it that that's what you should be telling yourself every morning when you wake up. When you're like, when I get to sit in that chair and smell the funk coming <laughs> off of Adam's flannel shirt that's eight days unwashed, I earned that. And you did earn it. And I think you need to remind yourself of that, that you can do that. There's no, to think you can do it once but not again is actually illogical. Right. In fact, the second time it's easier. And I mean, because I wrote for people in Rolling Stone when I was like 20 and 21. And, that, mm. and, and I remember people... Being like, really, you think you're going to write for them? And it's like, like the track that normally journalists at my level at that point would have taken would have been to like spend years building up to the point where you send mm -hmm. your clips to people in Rolling Stone and hope they call. And yet what I did is I, I had these really good – because I had written for national magazines for free and I had these clips that looked really good and I would make a bunch of copies and then I'd put them into mailers with a letter. They didn't and know just, how old you were. Right. I just sent it out to like the 10 magazines that I would want to write for if I could write for any magazine and those called, you know. And yeah. so – You were too young and stupid to know any better. Oh, yeah. So what you have to You're tell right. yourself – I hadn't been beaten – I hadn't been – been beaten down in the same way that yeah. I sort of have at this point. What you need to do is wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, I am old and stupid and I can do this. Yeah. Because it worked when you were young and stupid. Right. And by the way, the other thing is, is you know, I remember I, you told me I know, a couple of years ago it was your birthday, whatever. I thought you were 10 years younger than you are. Mm -hmm. And in this industry, that helps. To look younger? You, you, yeah. Should I just say I'm younger? You look, I, you, you're, I'm pretty you're, open about who everything. Should I stop being so open? It doesn't matter, really. <laughs> if you have the goods and you do, you can do the job. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm in my early 40s. Look, I'm in my early fucking 60s. No, you and, don't. Yeah, I do. But, but you know, it doesn't matter because I'm a writer. I'm behind the camera. No one gives a shit. Mm -hmm. um, but you have this ability. You've shown it already to get something that you want with this show. It will be easier the next time because yeah. you can say, look, I have, I have a following and you do have a following. I think I just need to figure out what the, the appropriate format would I think, be. Yes. You can't sell something until you know what you want. What you know want, what it is. is yeah. Because I'm and kind of like really going know. in there like, I'm great. Here's an idea. And it needs to be more I, like you need to be undeniable. That's what Barry Katz would say. Yes. <laughs> you have to go in and you have to go in and say, OK, this is the opportunity I'm presenting you. Right. It's this show. And it's amazing. Beginning, middle, end format each week we do this at each segment we do this every other week we do pop up 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 this becomes a running theme this becomes a running joke blah 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 and this is why it's going to be successful because i appeal to this demographic right. i appeal to men because they watch the adam carolla show i appeal to women because i'm a smart woman i appeal to this this and this also high income i mean you look at the demographics of the people that listen to this show and carolla show highly educated high earners right that's what that's what advertisers and want. And really loyal. Incredibly really loyal. Really loyal. I love you guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I'm loyal. So I know that they'll watch. And I know that they'll buy I Want an Alien for Christmas to help me out. Right. Well, if click I through Amazon, the yes. Amazon banner on AllisonRosen.com and help me out, too. Exactly. But listen, there's no <laughs> reason for you to have any of these doubts. And, and one thing that I will tell you. See, you, I feel like I'm waiting for the gatekeepers to open the gates when in, when no, that's not really because down. the gatekeepers that are offered to you are like the lowest level of the gatekeeper if you know what i'm they're saying they're not even they're not even key keepers no no they, and it's like yeah. I, it's just you get stuck in that kind of just you're stuck on the outside the person on the inside doesn't even hear it and that's just the way the industry is set up yes it and is. i haven't been savvy or pushy enough to sort of push through that instead of oh here comes another cough <coughs> Do you, Gary, have, could do you have a bowl of water? It's SARS or MRSA. I don't oh, know fantastic. which one. <laughs> so glad I'm in an enclosed room with you. <laughs> I'm stealing some of your water, but I'm just pouring it into a cup, so don't you worry. Don't worry about it. I don't care. I Look, I've been kissing the same girl since I was 24 years old. I'm the cleanest guy you'll ever be around. You can... I was saying, don't you worry, so you won't catch my germs. No, I'm fine. But it's kind of intimate. You're drinking right out of my mouth. Jesus. I know. A little, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> right out of your mouth. My goodness. Um, so anyway, yeah. See, I think I've been like... You know, we made this this pilot presentation. Sorry to you for I'm hijacking this interview. I don't Sorry give a shit. I want, <laughs> I want you. You're my new best friend. I want you to be happy and I want you to figure out what your next step is. Though I don't think I will say I don't think you should ever. No, go I will away stay from here forever. I just want to augment yeah. it with yeah. some other stuff to let's, feel like there's forward momentum. Let's let me figure this shit out let's right now. That. Let's do okay. it. So we made this pilot presentation. Adam's in it. Dr. Drew's in it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think, well, you know what? It was, it's in two parts. The first part is like a, a me reel talking about myself and about the show. And then mm-hmm. the next part is this further like extended interview section. And that has Adam and that has Drew. My hunch is a lot of the people that watched it only watched the first part. They didn't watch the interviews part. Right. Although the response overall was very good. But like, well, like we love her. The show's not quite right for this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I felt really good about it. But then we and I thought, you know, with the producer we were talking about, it's like you're going to have meetings all over town. Da da da. We ended up having like three meetings. Nothing, nothing went beyond that. And I was like, part of me is like, I feel like my agent needs to be getting more meetings. Right. The other part of me is like, well, maybe it just maybe it doesn't have traction. Like maybe that only the few meetings we had is just a sign that this is not the right thing. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know if I should have been pushier about that. Well, not even can... pushier as much as persistent. You can ask for a list and say, you know, when, whenever you do a, a project, when, when you have to remember, your agents do work for you. Right. And they're lucky to have you. So when you call them up and you say, okay, we're going out with this project, all I ask is that you send me a list of everyone you're sending it to and the dates you send it to them. That's reasonable, right? Right. And there's no one that can say, no, that's unreasonable. So they'll say, okay, sure. And then you'll see it. And then if they send it to 15 places and you only get three meetings, then maybe it was the project. Right. If they only send it to five places, you're like, what, what the shit's going on? Yeah. But you need to, you need to agent your agents. Um, I drive my agents crazy. Uh, when I pitch them, I want an alien for Christmas. The, I pitched them this seven years ago. And they were like, oh, well, that's not a movie. They're like, it's not a movie. It's kids. You're not known for kids stuff, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I just was like, okay, and I did it on my own. And uh, I've had lots of projects that have sold where, I, you know, I can tell my agents, I should tell my agents, why are you commissioning this? You told me not to do it. Now it's on the air. Now right. it's in the theaters. Well, that's the, the other thing is that, and this is sort of where I psychologically have to check myself. 
wanting to do my show, wanting a, a network or a channel to get behind me, it's like how much is that just because I want that validation versus I could I could crowdfund enough to get a show up, you know, a yeah. modest show. It's like why don't I just go do it myself if I want to do it? So you've bad? got you look, you've got access to to, to this, this warehouse. You can throw up. I mean, the nice thing is is the the age we live in today is you can throw up a couple of cameras and a couch, yeah. and sell something. Um, what you have, to, I, I think, what you need to do is figure out exactly what you want the format of that show to be, and I mean. Spend weeks on end working it out, figuring it out. How can you make it unique? How can you make it you? And then once you have that, just do it. Mm-hmm. I would make it th- make, th- throw it online. What I mean, honestly, what's what can the harm right, be? Right, what's the harm? You're right. And and the other thing that I would say is, don't. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard this expression. It's 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 rarely used. It's called "Don't put all your eggs in one basket." Oh yeah, I it's, never understood it though. It, it, <laughs> Do you really? Are you kidding? I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I can't tell. See what a good actress you are? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. And yes, func- if, you know, function your energy towards that show. Function right. your energy. I don't have to fuck that either. <laughs> that's, that's so... Feng shui your energy right. towards that one show. But also, if you have other ideas, have multiple things going on at once. Yeah. It's exhausting. But... At any given time, and I'm not saying do what I do, because I, who the fuck, what do I know? Because you were asking for a baby aspirin earlier, and it made me wonder, are you worried about your heart? I take a baby aspirin every day, okay. and I ran out. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yes, I'm worried. I'm 60 pounds overweight. Yes, I'm worried <laughs> about my heart. Um, I, I, But what I do is I have about, and I also am 60 pounds overweight, and have mm, five to six projects going on at any given time. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is twofold. One, they're not, they, it, does, it doesn't work like a ladder. Okay, it's going to be this project's right. going to go, then that project. It's that's pro- it's not a ladder. It's one of those uh, spinny things at the park where you sit on it and you run around, and you spin the kids, and all of them have to be going at once in a circle, in a circle, in a circle. Right. And then when it stops, you're like, oh, this is the one that's going now. And then you spin it again, and you and then and then you replace that little slice of that pie with a different project and start spinning it around, spinning it around. I had Scorpion. I was developing Scorpion, which is. Now on CBS, I was developing, uh, developing another show for the CW, uh, doing a miniseries, which looks like it's going to go now, um, writing Alien for Christmas, and a, a, a couple of other projects. I have a project now that, that Adam Sandler's interested in that I literally wrote the treatment for in 2002. But I met one of his development people at a baby shower. <laughs> she was very nice. We talked. I said, hey, that new Netflix deal that you have going on. What kind of stuff are you looking for? Well, this, this, and this. We talk. I said, I've got the coolest story ever. And it's, an, it's a true life story. I pitched it to her. She pitched it to Sandler. He said, that sounds kind of badass. So in the new year, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk. And maybe we'll do that. You have to have a million irons in the fire. And I you know. never know when you can pull one out. So the show is great. But you're very creative. So you should, any other ideas that you have, start thinking about them, developing them, and have them always going. So when you sit down with an executive... When you talk with an executive and they say, oh, well, this show, I don't know if this show's right for you. You're like, okay, that's great. How about this? Well, maybe not. That's fine. How about this? And you just have your quiver on your back. You just keep pulling out arrows. And then you just shoot them right through their brain and make <laughs> them, and make them uh, you know, buy one of your projects. Yeah. This is all good advice. Thank you. No, you're yeah, welcome. I think I've been very – I think I've been focused on – like this year has been getting married – 
and then the you know sad Oliver stuff, yes. and I just like and then now, now trying to get pregnant, the and, dag thing, right? Exactly, all of juggling that. dag, juggling, <laughs> in juggling. the midst of all, <laughs> all of it. So I haven't been as focused. Well, I do have. There's a book in there, not not about all this, but I mean that that's the other thing that I the other project. But I haven't been pushing the career stuff as much as as I probably should be. Well, you know what? The wedding's over. Yeah, marriage might be over. For all we know, the marriage is so fine. that could, so that could really free you up. <laughs> but the weddings, the weddings over, possibly the marriage. But the weddings over. The marriage have, is great. You have, you have 2015 ahead of you. Yeah, this is honestly, I would take from what's today the third. Yeah, I would take the next 28 days to think about what ideas do I have rattling around in my cranium? What's knocking around my synapses in there? Yeah, which ones get me most excited? Pluck them out, write them down, start developing them, developing them. And in 2015, and I know there's all this other stuff going on in your life with the dog and the baby and the new marriage and all that stuff. But find that time because I tell you what, when little Rosen Jr. <laughs> crawls out of you, it gets harder. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, you know, tonight... Uh, when we're done here, I'm going to rush home so I can read to my kids before they go to bed. I climb into bed with them each night. I read to them. It's the the most relaxing part of my day. They go to sleep, and then I work for five more hours. And I work till 1 o'clock in the morning every night. It gets hard to find that time because you're not going to want to be away from that kid. Right. So make 2015 the year of Rosen and, and, and just do it. You can do it. When do you find time to be with your wife? I, amazingly, I because I was a lawyer, I can write very quickly. It's one of the reasons why I think I have a good reputation in the business. I think I write good shit, but they know it doesn't take me forever. Uh, you know, you give me, like I said, you give me a good outline, I'll, I'll an hour drama, I'll have you, if you give me a good outline on a Monday morning and I start writing, by Tuesday afternoon you'll have a script and you can film it. Wow. And it's because I've been doing it 15 years now. Um or 14 years. No, the 2015 will be my 15th season of television. Um, so I'm fast. So it doesn't take me forever to do stuff. Um, I wrote my last novel, uh, 15 Digits, in like two months. Where sometimes, and now, and now granted, it's not War and Peace. You know, I'm not saying it. It's, it's, I, my reviewers call me the blue-collar uh, Grisham. <laughs> so it's not like I'm writing, you know, stuff that, that, that's considered quote-unquote literature. You know, literature. I I actually disagree with that. I think people, you know, some reviewers who took the time, you know, like Kirkus, which is known for giving brutal reviews, actually really liked 15 Digits and said nice things about it. If they take time to read it, they'll realize it is kind of literary. It's just blue collar literature. It's working mm-hmm. man literary. Um, but I, I write quickly. So uh, weekends are sacrosanct. I get up very early in the morning on weekends. I'll get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 on a Saturday and a Sunday. I'll write for four hours. And then when my kids are up, make breakfast, spend the day with them. The, I don't sleep enough. It's definitely, I, I mean, say, legitimately yeah. affecting my health. Like to the point where my doctor's like, you're not sleeping enough and you're breaking down. But uh, big deal. There are people who have, you know, who, you know, they're also soldiers in Afghanistan that go five days without sleeping. Hmm. So I don't have anything to worry about. Um, but I find I, my wife, you know, we spend time together. I'm also a very fast lover. So we don't need that much so time together. So you don't need to um, extend the boringness. No, no. I think extend the boringness is sometimes just a request because it's just like. <laughs> oh, I yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. Could this boringness go on? Like, go I, on. I, I'm, I don't feel bored yet. How about another 22 seconds? <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. 
Um, you know what you should do with your kids? Since you are pressed for time, you yeah. don't want to take them to the mall to visit Santa. You should make their visit with Santa happen with HelloSanta.com. It's this really cool new thing where you can have a live video chat directly with Santa. Really? Direct from the North Pole. Um, and then it's sent the elves send it to you so you can save the side-by-side video chat with Santa um, and you can like do one every year and then you can have this great w- thing to look at to show your kids as they get older. I'm look, doing that. Yeah, it's really, really, really cool. You can also, so you can have a live video chat with Santa or you could have Santa send a custom pre-recorded video right to your inbox, which would be the perfect solution for grandparents. It's super easy. Just use a computer or a laptop with a webcam to video chat with Santa at hellosanta.com. But you want to make sure you register soon because Santa's calendar is filling up quickly as you can imagine. So you can get a special offer when you use the code Allison at hellosanta.com. Again, that's hellosanta.com, promo code Allison. I was just, I started a business. That is much better. I started a business called hellolarry.com, <laughs> and it was videos with your kid, McLean Stevenson, from the hit show Hello Larry, and right. it didn't do nearly as well as Hello Santa. No, McLean Stevenson was also, who was he? He was the... He was the, in, in MASH. Yeah, but who did he, what was the name of his character? He um, was before Potter, right? He was before... Uh, uh, Sherman T. Potter. Yeah. He, and his plane went his down, His plane went right? down. Radar, I'm trying to think of the line. Radar O'Reilly walks in, and he says, at this time, blah, 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 blah. Was it Blake? Colonel Blake. Colonel, um, was it Colonel Blake? I liked him better than Potter. Colonel Henry Blake. Colonel yeah. Henry Blake. Colonel Everyone Blake's liked him better plane. than Potter, right? Yeah, but Harry Morgan was pretty good. Okay. But I liked him better. Just like I liked Trapper John better than... BJ Honeycutt? Yeah, sorry. Oh, no. I, I, Is that the wrong answer? Yeah, it's the wrong answer. I don't like what Trapper John, who Trapper John has become, though. Trapper John MD when he lived in the camper <laughs> no, outside the hospital? No, I mean, now that he's like, I think he pops up on Fox News and his teeth are really white. He's a real, like, big-time money manager guy, right? Is like, he? Has, I think he's made millions, like, managing funds and shit like that, but I don't know. He's changed. I he had, He's not the Trapper John I no. remember. But the Trapper John I remember shared a tent with a black soldier that he called Spear Chucker. So that kind of made me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Forgot um, about that. Yeah, but the, uh, the old MASH shows, that was the soundtrack of my youth, was MASH I in my house. I love old MASH. Yeah. My, my, when, when MASH was on, we were not allowed to talk <laughs> in my house. My dad was like, MASH is on. When I was a kid, I didn't realize that it was a comedy. When I was a kid, it was just, I didn't like, it made me feel lonely and I didn't like Man, it. When MASH made you feel lonely? Mm-hmm. A lot of... It, well, a, Suicide is Painless is a very sad opening song. I think it, that's yeah. what it was. And it was like I would watch it. I had this tiny little black and white TV, and I would watch it at night By alone. Yourself? Yeah, I think you know so. What? And it just Having no me friends out. was maybe why you were lonely. Because you, you were watching TV this by yourself like, all the time. I couldn't sleep. This was late at night. Also, Cheers made me feel lonely. Yeah, it had nothing to do with TV show. You had major fucking problems. No, because I would watch Facts of Life, and. And then you felt like you had friends. <laughs> I've watched Facts of Life, and then there was another show called Hello Sydney. I think that would come oh, on. Oh my god, I remember Hello Facts Sydney. Of Life. But then Cheers would come on, and at that point, it was late, and I maybe and I just felt lonely. Maybe you felt lonely because you had to go to sleep. I think so. And you I would think be what alone. I'm saying is alone not Mash, what? but Cheers is a kind of melancholy. It's funny, but it's like these are a bunch of single people hanging out at a bar. Yeah, you're, you're really reading things. into it. It's a bunch of it's a bunch anyway, of jokes. Mash made me feel lonely, but anyway, as an adult, I revisited it because I did this. 
You know how I was saying I don't I don't wait for that magical phone call, except that I got like a magical message on Facebook one day. This show in Canada wanted to fly me out there and pay me fairly well to be on their new show that they were starting. So I did that, and it was a show about television. And one of the so I had to watch a bunch of old Mash mm-hmm. for to like be able to talk about it. And I was like, I love this show, and I love Alan Alda. He was the dag of those days. Oh, really? Well, yeah, young Alan Alda though. I I would say that Alan Alda, first of all. Remember when I brought Nick Pileggi into the Corolla show? I sure do. I don't. All right, because <laughs> you were super fucking wasted. Yeah, I really was. Oh, my God. That was a nine-vomit night you that night. You passed me a note that said, am I too drunk? Oh, I knew, like, I knew I was in trouble. It was like Mangria. That was the early days of Mangria. No, it was, that was crazy. That was like Mangria had crawled down my throat, up my spine, into my brain, and just started <laughs> fucking setting shit on fire. And it was, it was bananas. Um, but Nick Pileggi sounds exactly like Alan Alda. Oh, yeah. If you go back and listen, it's, it's, it's crazy. But Alan Alda has one of the great all-time voices. He does. The best. I love Alan the Alda. The best. Um, but that being said, I didn't, you know, for people remember from last week's Corolla episode, a little controversy about the facts of life with you and me. Oh, right. And, and I, I, I was joking. My, uh, if I can quote the great Elvis Costello, my aim is true. I know. I was just, you know, I just wanted a little help. I think that we actually, so... You contacted me because you needed to use a facts of life. Didn't not needed to, but you wanted to use a facts of life scene on it in a scene of Scorpion. You wanted yes. to, some advice, and I recommended my absolute favorite. And then you're like, "We can't use that because that'll cost fifteen thousand dollars." No, we couldn't use anything with Tootie because Kim Fields, for whatever reason, wouldn't. It was so funny because they literally show a clip. It's like a three second clip, and if like Charlotte Ray's in it, out of the corner of your eye in the background of of, of this cabin where we had a TV playing, she gets a grand. I think it was like a grand or right. something like that. And Kim Fields, either they couldn't get in touch with her or wouldn't sign off. So, you know, Joe Polnicek's getting a grand and Blair's getting a grand and uh, Mrs. Garrett's getting a grand. Well, it was my favorite scene. It wasn't because of Tootie. It was because it had a song in it. Oh, yeah. Because my favorite scene is, I think it's called Christmas in the Big House, where Natalie and Joe, well, they, all the girls end up performing. Well, <clears throat> okay. So what happens is they're going to put on a Christmas show yes. at a boy's home. Yes. That's what they think they're doing. But then they discover it's a prison mm. for big boys this is who've a, been bad. This is a really special fact. It was. Um, and Blair did, really didn't want to do it. But then Joe's dad had been in prison. So she did. So anyway, but ultimately they end up all performing. But my favorite scene is Blair. No, it's Natalie and Tootie singing We Need a Little Christmas. Right. And so that's what I sent you. But you're like, <laughs> we can't use that because there's a song in it. Songs are expensive. In fact, before, I think you heard me on the phone earlier, we were trying to clear, and it was a Christmas song. How weird is that? That's weird. For the Christmas episode of Scorpion, and they're expensive because they know they kind of have you by the balls. Like, you need a Christmas song? There's 10 of them that anyone knows. <laughs> and right. uh, Yeah. No, but I reached out to you because I figured the, the whole thing is, is some of our heroes stumble upon a cabin <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Bosnia, and there's this weird guy who lives in the woods. And he's there to operate and maintain the national government sat- satellite, like one of their satellites. And he's obsessed with 80s American culture because that's what they basically can still get and watch. Right. And so I thought if he off the satellite was watching some 80s show and I said, you know, what's the, the <coughs> t- 80s show? It's OK. And it's uh, it's facts of life. So I said, I, I know the expert. I know who to reach out to. And there you go. I love that that's the 80s show. That's kind of the 80s show. I guess like, so, yeah. Facts. I mean, what's, there might be others. Like you can say Silver Spoon. Kate Nally. Yeah. <laughs> really. but, but But I don't think there's any... They might be tied, but I don't think you'd right. say that shows more 80s than right. Facts Alive. Well, it got super 80s. That's true. All right. So I think we have the scene. 
Oh, yeah. Let's watch it. And let's see how it is for the listeners. That's Jaden Wong. She's a great actress on the show. And that's Eddie K. Thomas, who you know is shit break from American Pie. That's Joe. Oh. She just made a grant. This is the, Joe's first episode. Did we enter a cabin or a wormhole? Someone was just here. We gotta hurry. Grab any food that's not tied down. We need water. We need protein. Hey. Listen, man, we don't want any trouble. We're just lost hikers. Americans. Igor loves USA. And there you go. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. That worked perfectly. It worked perfectly, and we put a little, you know, a little Grecian formula money in Charlotte Ray's pocket. Well, I don't think she uses Grecian formula. She uses, like, red dye. Well, she's let herself go natural. She's pretty she? white-haired, yeah, but... Well, there you go. You're, you're up to date on that. How yeah. are you not, like, being asked on, like, Facts of Life reunion panels and shit? Like, how's... You're, it... you're asking the right person or the wrong person. I don't know, because... Um, a couple of them were on uh, Andy Cohen's show. What? Yeah. Watch what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think was it Joel Stein who got to be the bartender. I'm like, yeah. Why am I not the go-to Facts of Life person? Yeah, like I would go to you for almost nothing else except Facts of Life stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like they had a thing a night at the Paley Center. Why was I not moderating? Why was I just in the audience? It's, kind of, <clears throat> it's a slap in the face. It's kind of a slap in the face. It's kind of bananas. Cause, cause it's that's, totally a slap in the face. Yeah. That's my thing. That's your thing. It's what you're... I mean, it's, honestly... It's my wheelhouse. It's honestly... It's like if someone is Ask doing... Ask me anything about facts of life. I know. If someone's doing any research on the facts of life to set up a panel, if you Google facts of life, the first thing that's going to sh- come up is facts of life, Alison Rosen, insane person. It should. I would yeah. hope... It, you know, You know how... Oftentimes, in, like people want to know, like, well, what's your brand? What's your point of view? I should just say facts of, facts life. of life from now facts on of instead life. of whatever else I've been saying. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say facts of life from now on. That's I my think, thing. I think that's your brand. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Want to know what I'm hotly debating inside my noggin right now? I, I, I think it involves <laughs> Dag and your husband. But, well, no, it no. doesn't. Okay, but it does well. involve putting something in my mouth. I'm trying oh, to figure shit. out <laughs> if I put a cough drop in my mouth, is the sound of the cough drop, can I muffle it, A, and is it going to be more annoying than the sound Gary's nodding? Because people listening to podcasts go nuts if anyone ever eats anything into the mic. Right. And so I'm thinking, is a cough drop going to be more annoying than me coughing? I've and been Gary swallowing water through this whole thing, and I'm sure they've been hearing that going down my gullet. No, they've probably just been hearing me cough. You're sick. Your, your audience loves you. They understand. Let's see how I do. If, right. I can't, if I start to not be able to talk, then we're going to cough drop it up. All right. Ashley Kirk says, I know Kale is supposed to... You know what we should do? Gary should read the JMOs because he's got a silky smooth voice. There you go. All right, just give me one second here to pull it up where I can actually see Gary's it. a sexy tall drink of water. He even has a Thank special you, sexy voice that he busts out every now and mm. again. I do, but that's, that's very rare. I don't, I don't know if Nick could really handle it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Do 
Did you know it was going to take this long when you asked him to do it? No, of course she didn't. I did not. <laughs> Here they come. All right, our first one is from Ashley Kirk, and it says, I know kale is supposed to be good for you, but I refuse to try it. Hashtag veggie of the moment. Hashtag just mirror everyone. Well, I agree that I, I like to avoid trendy things, but I'm okay with kale. Yeah, and the thing with kale is I have one of those like Vitamixes at home, oh, like the do. emulsifiers, and I throw kale in there and then a little bit of like frozen mango and you juice it on up. And you can't taste the kale. I did you not get, know you juice. I Vitamix. It's not juice. It's, it's emulsifies. Like oh. juice just takes out the juice and throws the fi- spits the fiber out the back. You can't tell from this perfect physique <laughs> that I juice. I wondered what's your secret. I, <laughs> my secret is I juice in and out burgers <laughs> and, oh, and french fries. Could you do that? You could put. Have you ever Hell tried yes. one of those emulsifiers? You can juice, you can yeah. juice anything. You, the emulsifiers from Costco. They're expensive. They're like four hundred bucks, Jesus. and and I for years I wouldn't buy one because of the cost. And then one day my wife is like, "We need our kids to have vegetables. This is the only way we're going to do they, it." And they must drink them. And they must drink them. What she does, what she did is she puts in the kale, puts in the mangoes, puts in the blueberries, juices it up. It just tastes like fruit. Freezes it. Makes popsicles. Makes popsicles. Then my kids are like, "Can I have a treat?" They're so stupid. <laughs> they don't even know. And they one day eat, they're going to be on they, a podcast complaining about yeah they it. eat the popsicles but you can put a brick in an emulsifier and turn it into water huh. so that's so I you know, I don't agree with this one I think okay. you should try cow spork and pork says oh Gary go for it spork and <laughs> spork and pork says when cooking a TV dinner in the microwave I have to reread the directions after starting even if I eat it all the yes, time yes I do that all the time I don't know why TV dinners still exist well yes I like I'll make a lean cuisine or something I eat not so lean cuisine. <laughs> and I don't do microwave cooking. Uh, Andrea Stevens says, when talking about someone, must check iPhone to make sure it's not magically connected to that person who's overhearing all. No, I don't, but that's a good thing to check. Like, if you're going to talk about someone that you just had a phone call with, you have to make sure it's hung up. I have a phobia of when I'm done with a, a, a phone call, especially if it's a conference call, especially if it's a notes call with, like, executives. I hang up the speakerphone, and before I start going, oh, God, now we got to do this rewrite, I press the button, like, five times <laughs> to make sure I can hear the dial tone. Smart. Yes. Uh, Except I just said it on a podcast and not that smart. Now they all know. I don't do this, but I should. I definitely talk shit about my mom for like a good five minutes while I was pocket dialing her. Oh, really? Yeah. Is she here? No. She doesn't know. Well, she just found out, but she doesn't know that that ever happened. She she got the voicemail, but it was in my pocket and she couldn't really hear. And she oh, just good. thought it was butt dial and just deleted it. I had a thing where I was talking shit about someone and then I thought I saw them sitting in their car nearby and I was like, oh, fuck. There's a great joke that goes on around here where anytime you're talking one-on-one with somebody and that person's talking shit about a third person, at a certain point, you just look slightly above their their left shoulder and go, hey, what's up? Yeah. And the person will flip out. It's (laughs) fucking hilarious. Lynch had the best timing at it. All right. J-Mos and Bobo says, at a four-way stop, hate the person who waves me on when it's their turn. There are reasons we have rules. We live in a society. I think we've done that one. Adam, like had a whole fight with he had yeah. like a standoff with a guy right um okay we've done the middle column before all right uh rich bryant when it, rich bryant says when a website asks for my birthday uh for age verification i put in my actual birthday no chance that's i don't do that yeah. i do do that should i not I guess that's one more so bit much, of info. To, it's just so much easier to put January 1st, 1962, or what, 1904, yeah. you yeah, know? It's a yeah, you're right. Of, you're never going to need it again. It's a matter of expedience. Plus, and, I don't want 
I put enough information into the internet. I don't know what yeah. site's recording that with my IP address. Like, why mm. do they need to know my exact birthday? It's about verification that I'm, you know. Over 18. And it's also, for me, it's a matter of this is the biggest load of bullshit. Like, I could be nine. Right. So this means nothing. And there are certain sites I go on, and I just don't want people to know it's actually me. All right. Uh, Back to life stop, reunion Right. Site. I should stop putting my real stuff in there. You're crazy for doing that. Yeah. Benjamin May says... All my shirts are the, all my shirts that are this hung up have to be facing the same direction. Yes. Yeah. No. But you know what it is? Sorry, I'm still talking about that. You know what it is with the birthday thing? When I put it in, I'm like, I could lie, but then that's an extra thing I'll have to remember. And now I'm realizing you don't ever have to remember you don't that. You have to remember but that's, always, that's my thought as always. I don't want to have to remember no. that I said I was this for that. And you don't want to lie. No one, there no, no one lies on the internet. <laughs> so you want to keep the internet well, pure? I think that... That's a, an interesting distinction you put up. You bring up like uh, what I think that person is talking about is like trying to go to a porn website or um, not necessarily that, but something that's age required, like yeah. a beer website. But if you're like signing you up, up for an account, profile or if you're signing yeah. up for an account where you're, that could be a question later when yeah. you forget your password inevitably, then you use your real date of birth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Rob Hildebrandt says, while sitting at, a, at stoplights, I look at the license plate on the car in front of me to see if it's expired. Nope, no. never. Who gives a shit? Are you a cop? Yeah, yeah I don't care. Uh, Jamos and Bobo says, I hold my breath after I swipe my credit card until it says approved. No. No. I've been doing that recently, but that's specific. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have you been doing it because of because you read this? Because of credit oh, issues? Oh, oh, oh. There you go. There you go. I there am go. slow. <laughs> um, all right. Rich Bryant already did that one. Uh, John Maconda says, I never let may I... I never I'm say sorry. May I. I never say "may I," even when it's incorrect not to. It makes me feel like I'm five years old. When would it be incorrect not to? I guess to say "can I" is incorrect. You say like "can I go to the bathroom?" The, the oh, asshole teacher I? always goes "can I." Yeah. God, that was can you? The worst. I actually try to be correct with the "may I" and the "can I." Mm-hmm. When you're you have a, kids and you want them to learn right. these, this stuff now, just so, just so when they're older, it won't be a pain in the ass when they're studying for their grammar tests. I my, tried it, you know. My mom used to, if you ever said anything with, oh, that's so fun. She'd be like, so much fun. She really tried to hammer that into our heads. Yeah. But I don't even know if that's still a rule. Yeah, I don't I think, think you that, can say something so fun. Can, I, don't I think that I think so fun is grammatically correct, but what the hell do I know? I wonder if it was always grammatically correct. I, it changes. Like, the, that's right. the cool thing about language. I mean, we add words every year to the dictionary. Yeah. Makes, but what if what if it was always correct and she just hammered the much in there? You should call her up, give her a piece of your mind. I really should. All right, and our last and our one. last one comes from uh, Shannon J. J. Mick. When slicing tomatoes, I did I say that right? I the, think so. I think that's how we're going to pronounce her name. Yeah. When slicing tomatoes, I have a brief panic attack, thinking I'm going to cut myself, and I I just know it. Just me or everyone? Yes. Yeah. When walking downstairs, I have a brief panic attack, thinking I'm going to eat shit. Really? Mm-hmm. If it, if I'm going fast and there are steps that look like they'd be especially painful to bump down. Yeah, in my house every <laughs> once in a while, you got to be careful because there's like fucking aerial dolls and Legos all over the goddamn place. Yeah, are you? Is it carpeted though? Or? It's the whole house is hardwood floor except for the stairs, which is carpeted, nice. and the kids' playroom. Yeah, no, for me it's like when I'm going up like terracotta steps outside or something. The ones that look like they will take the back of your head off your head or your chin off your face. Yeah, you got to be. Uh, when I was a personal injury lawyer, I represented some people who <laughs> fucked themselves up on stairs. But the uh, the tomatoes things, bagels, I worry about cutting my hand. Yeah. I've got to just me or everyone. Oh, good. Can I hit you with it? Please. No. 
I, I was literally this morning. I'm taking a shower, and you know, it's it's hard being a bald guy. It's just it's terrible. And I'm in the shower, and my wife, you know, I like to use Irish Spring. She's got just her black, long, luxurious hair wrapped around the semi-disintegrated bar of Irish Spring. So you have to sit there and hold it up in front of the shower head, hoping it's going to knock the, the hair off. Oh, you don't and just pull it, it off? Yeah, I can't. You can't. You got you to dig your know, fingernails into the pretty, meat of yeah, the soap. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Getting so I, hair off of soap is very It's difficult. impossible. So you hold it up there, and what it does is it just pushes it, and you chase it around the soap huh. as you're trying to get it off. And then I slowly and quietly curse my wife while I'm doing it. And that's it just me or everyone? Yeah, it's exactly you curse your wife because she leaves her, if, especially if you're bald, leaves her fucking hair everywhere. I leave my hair it would be like it, it would be like if I was in a wheelchair and she just like ran up or down the steps every <laughs> oh, fucking day. She's pushing it in your face. Yeah. I know that when I am, like if I'm ever a house guest and I'm leaving, oh God, I didn't do this at my mother-in-law's house, I'm realizing. But if I'm a house guest and I'm trying to like be really clean up after, you know, after myself, mm-hmm. at the end when I'm trying to get my hairs off the soap and off everything in the bathroom, I'm cursing myself. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's such a hard time with all the extra hair that you have <laughs> that you can just f- fucking leave it all over the place. But, well, this is where blonde people have an edge. Because I feel like a blonde hair in a soap, no big deal. It doesn't show up as much. Not as much. People do not like finding black hairs in their things. I can't. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. And, Listen, uh, and blonde I, hairs are not much better. They're harder okay. to see, but when you identify them, they're just as irksome. But you're just like, oh, look, a fairy was here. Yeah. <laughs> Not if you like. Not if you're cohabitating with somebody who's blonde. It's still like, God, fuck that person. Like, like Kaylin. We do not use the same shower oh, okay. to be clear, but no. Yeah, I guess like Kaylin, he's blonde, but that's not what I was talking about. I'm now very uncomfortable. I know what you're talking about. He's, I'm uncom- he used to date a fairy. I'm uncomfortable. I did. I'm just gonna let everyone be uncomfortable. Yeah. No, actually, I want to talk to you guys about Sancerre. Do you cook very often? No, I make breakfast. I'm good at breakfast, but that's it. Pancakes and eggs, that's it. Well, Sancerre could actually be used for eggs. So there's this cooking method called sous vide, which is where you put things in like a – for for the Sancerre, you can use a Ziploc bag or like a special silicone bag, I think. But sous vide actually means under vacuum. So you put these you, – you put the food in an airtight bag and then you lower it into a water bath where the temperature is held constant for an extended period of time and you cook it at a lower temperature than you would on the stove. And I had heard about this cool way of cooking things back when I was working at Time Out in New York because I think that the food editor was into it and around that time there were restaurants in New York who were cooking food this way. It was sort of like part of that molecular gastronomy, gastronomy science stuff, right. trend like where people are cooking, are cooking things with liquid nitrogen and all those like fancy stuff. It was one of those things but it was too expensive for anyone to do it in their home. It was just the kind of thing that someone at a restaurant would have but right. what they would say is that things cooked in the sous vide method would be a lot more tender. So like instead of having a steak where it's dry on the outside and the inside is cooked because the whole thing is submerged at this lower temperature, the whole thing is perfectly cooked all the way through. So now there's this company, Sancerre, who makes this device where you can do it at home. It's awesome. I've been sous videing up a storm. You really have. I really have. Nice. Yeah, because it's super, it's fun. And what I like about it, is that the cleanup is super duper easy. It's the whole thing is super easy and the cleanup is easy. So what you do, like I'll do chicken. So you get, I get out a pot and I put the Sancerre. It's a, this like canister that hooks on the, the, you put it into the water, you clip it onto the edge. You, it's electric. You plug it in. Um, you set the temperature that you want. And then I'll put 
chicken breast um, in a Ziploc bag. I have special festive bags that I use. Um, and then I will how make they, so- How are your bags festive? They have like holiday decorations on the outside. They, they really they came do. With them. Yeah, they okay, came with them. Okay, all right. Yeah. Check your, pla- check your plastic bags. You can find special holiday plastic bags. That is very much beside yes. the point, though. But I don't want to interrupt this. I know. But very quickly, just me or everyone. Okay. I get uncomfortable saying chicken breast. That's, I just call it chicken. That's interesting. I don't, but maybe because I'm female. Yeah. Okay. Going on. So anyway, then I'll do some of them plain, but some of them I will season them in the bag. With mustard and capers, and this is my own. I would not recommend this mixture to other people necessarily, but and Worcestershire sauce and soy sauce and salt and pepper. Daring. I know. I put. I did. Then I shake it up, and then I put it in there. I cook it for like an hour and a half at 160. I think. Double check. And then it comes out perfectly. And then at the end, I just pour the water out, and I'm done with cleanup. You're done. I'm done. It's amazing. Um, And you guys can get a Sanser for yourself for just 179. It's regularly and. 199, but you guys can get a special deal where you can get a Sansair for 179. And to get this, what you do is you go to www.sansair.com, S A N S A I R E, and use the promo code Allison at checkout. So again, that's Sansair, S A N S A I R E.com, promo code Allison to get the $20 off. And you can also do vegetables and you can do eggs. That sounds and nice. Eggs come out like really silky. Um, and uh, and their word for the way eggs come out is fudgy. Fudgy. I say silky. Fudgy or silky. They just they come out really good. Good. Really well. I, that, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to get it. You should get I'm it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. my kids' eggs with that. It's nice because you just plug it in and then you walk away. You don't have to like monitor it at all. It's not like if it goes for 10 minutes too long, it doesn't matter. It's right. not. You don't have to time it up perfectly. Yeah, it's very I'm, foolproof. When I make my kids' eggs, if they get a little brown on the bottom, they bust my balls. I, I just don't need it. Nope. I'm going to do this. Do this. There you go. Nick Santora, it yeah. was delightful having you on my show. It was wonderful. Thank you for having me on my show. Can I say the name of the book one more Please. time? Please. To, to, to pimp my kids' book, I Want an Alien for Christmas. Um, please check it out. You can look at it online. Click through Amazon for Allison. Show her a little love. Uh, it's good for your kids. I would not write something for your kids if it wasn't nice for your kids. It's good for your kids. It's a nice, exciting Christmas story. Awesome. And what else do you want people to check out? What else do I want? Please watch Scorpion. Thank you. Monday nights on CBS at two o'clock. I have one question before I go. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm feeling like we're really. I, I think I know it's called New Best I'll Friends. I'll never talk to you again. No, no, because it's I, the three years thing. That's crazy. I'm uh, going to be on this show again before three years. Yes. But now we've talked Bobcat Goldwaith, Gold, Goldwaith, Jimmy Simpson. Dag, your husband, those Alan Alda. Nick Santora. Alan Alda. Where's Nick Santora? That's that's five. Where does Nick Santora? You're right, I, you're the newest one. Do I fall somewhere in that? Yeah, you're at the top of the list. Because I, you know, I gave some good advice today. Yeah, you did. You know, I gave a little bit of advice. You opened so I, up. I opened up. I think. I think if I could, you know, I, I, look, I'm not. Look, I'm no Dag. I'm no Dag. But you know, if, if I could just work the way into like you know one every sixth or seventh dream, I think that could be you know exciting for me. I could bump Jimmy Simpson if you want. Because I haven't yeah. thought about him for a long time. Yeah, look, I, I know Jimmy. He he does. He, he's the he, only one I don't know personally, so he can be yeah, bumped for you if I, you want. I know him personally. He doesn't. He doesn't need it. Who's he go out with? Um, I you know what? Right now, I I I don't know. Hmm. He's newly on. He's newly on the market. Really? Uh, yes, but you know, again, just a reminder: I'm you are married. married. <laughs> So it's a little twinkle in your eye. You said, really? It's really weird Um, how I got excited over that. This is fucked up. (laughs) I'm married. Yay. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) All right. So I I could say I'm in the top six, seven, if I bump Jimmy six. 
All right. There we go. I'll take it. You know who my husband has a man crush on? Me. Top seven. Saul Berenson. Homeland. I, oh, you don't, do you watch Homeland? I've never anymore? seen Homeland. Mandy Patinkin. I've never seen You Homeland. haven't? No. Well, Homeland, I think, is back and better than ever. But heard, it went through a couple seasons of not being that That's strong. what I heard. I heard, like, season one was really good. This then season it, is just as good as the first one. It's but, so good. But then there were some, like, haters who came out who were like, this is so overrated because it's really, honestly, just like the poor man's 24 but I've never, I'm not yeah. saying I agree with that. I've never seen it. So I, I've just never gotten around this. I'm looking forward to watching it. It will suck you in. And then yeah. you'll be like, why am I watching this crap for a couple seasons? And then it's back and better than ever. There's part of me that after Breaking Bad, I'm like, I, there's, I can't watch anything else. Nothing will ever be as good as that show. Really? Yes. It's your favorite of all. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, so I, I did enjoy Breaking Bad a lot. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Sweet. Well, who are you on Twitter? I don't tweet. You don't tweet. I've got right. no tweet, no Facebook. None of that stuff. <laughs> I don't do any of that no shit. No Instagram. No, none of it. None All of right. it. But um, I am on CBS and uh, Monday night, Scorpion. Please watch that. Alien, I want an alien for Christmas, my book. 15 Digits, my book. Slip and Fall, my book. Just if you see my name out there, check it out, please. Just Google you. You can Google and me. And then click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps out the show immensely. Thank you for all your support. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You can get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available, recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival, the first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops, the next one with Doug Benson and musician Matt Costa, and much of the Thursday gang. And those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. For Kalen, he's not sitting there right now, but I imagine he'd just say either, yeah, I got nothing, or don't worry about me. Those are his catchphrases. Thank you so much. Thank you. delightful. Thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show?
This is Corolla Digital. Now that the show's over, don't forget to check out Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. Go to blueapron.com and see what's on the menu this week. To get your first two meals free, make sure you go to blueapron.com slash allison. That's blueapron.com slash allison. Now that the show's over, don't forget to go to hellosanta.com and use the promo code allison. Reserve a spot for you and your family. Chat with Santa this holiday season. Just go to hellosanta.com and use the promo code allison.